Hello, and welcome to the Persons with Lived Experience podcast, inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Zona. Um, I did not gain stability, unfortunately, through these drop-in centers. Um, I They provided me housing for the time being. However, when I aged out, I aged out. Right. Um, and they don't have like, you know, wraparound services where they um, come back and see where people are, you know, or if their services helped. I mean, it helped me develop skills. So then I had a job, but I didn't have housing. So like, this is like mm-hmm. the, the thing that I realize a lot of us go through is that we find stability one way or another, but then there's another part that's missing. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I'm Zona. I am a writer, speaker, a person with lived experience of human trafficking. And I work with Christian Influencer Inspired. I am a tiny house enthusiast and a cereal foodie. And I'm Dixie. I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. So today on our show, I am super excited to have Alexander uh, Lex Ray Perez, uh, who's originally from Long Island, New York. Uh, Alexander is an intentional light worker in, a, in every community that you find him in. Lex knows the value of presence and visibility in the world. He works on solutions for topics such as youth experiencing homelessness, TGNC rights, uh, public working with spirit, community building, and intentional healing through art. Lex is a homie, an activist, and his word is bond. So excited to hear from you today. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we are very excited for you to be here and excited to learn more about you, hear your story. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and let us know a little bit more about you. Um, yeah, so I am a lived experience advocate as well. Um, I I feel like I started advocacy since I was five, since I could speak. <laughs> um, I've been sort of like, speaking on what I feel is right and just. Um, And in 2017, I actually uh, was chronically homeless um, in Harlem. I actually traveled back from uh, Florida and I decided that I needed um, to, I needed to be independent. I needed to um, experience, um, I needed to experience what life could be um, taking care of myself, um, especially coming from a family where um, my identity was kind of like uh, not very accepted. So I, I initially went to go live with my mom. Um, and unfortunately, we just didn't see eye to eye. And then from there, that's like really where my journey began, especially with um, advocacy with house- houselessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, I have used this experience, um, to advocate and go to conferences. Um, and like today, um, I do a lot of work around art, around healing meditations. Um, and then I also still work on policy, um, as someone with lived expertise 
and also someone who's worked as a rapid rehousing specialist. I really believe in like um, our worthiness and wellness being the center of like activating um, how we end a lot of these cycles um, <laughs> justice. Absolutely. Well, that's very exciting. So I know that we met actually because of our wanting to change policy through the uh, Capitol Hill Day. Right. With the National Alliance to End Homelessness. I was so excited to have you in our group and actually get to be connected with you. So, and I appreciate all of your work with rapid rehousing because I know how difficult that can be as well. Likewise, thank you. I I am curious to know a little bit more about your story. Uh, I know that you said you've been an advocate from very young, and obviously we can relate to being very uh, justice minded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah, what 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 would you yeah. say was your first taste of that? Yeah, um, I would say that like yeah, definitely as a younger person, uh, being someone of trans experience. Um, I always had this idea of like, um, of, of what reality was outside of the reality that this, you know, the physical realm is providing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Always imagining um, uh, who I am and, and, and sort of like how I can manifest who I am right here. Um, and so from that point is sort of like, I feel like where, where my, where my advocacy came from is like knowing that there, um, that there's a possibility to live life, um, as myself. And also, um, that, that, that idea of self is always changing, you know, and it's a sacred process. We're all transitioning and transforming all the time. Um, and so like being able to create safety within myself is when I really started to find my voice as an advocate and start. Um, and also it's kind of like a volcano. I'm very like fire energy centered. So like <laughs> whenever it comes to justice, like I just can't keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so like traveling through, like I've learned so much um, in, in terms of like mental health, you know, I was actually a mental health advocate before I started um, specifically doing advocacy around um, houselessness. And from there, I sort of realized that it's really important for uh, for us to be present and to hold space, you know, yeah. because we may come from all different walks of life um, and things of that nature. However, the way that we fight together, the way that we grow together is really how we become human together and, and start mm-hmm. to like connect our experiences, you know? And so um, that's really my my experience. I've, I was... Um, uh, an advocate with the Alifornia Center. I actually was a young person uh, receiving services there. This is a, a drop-in center and also a youth um, LGBT plus centered uh, space in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And so they really, um, they really had services there in groups that um, inspired me, right? And it was the the staff there that really saw something in me, and so um, it encouraged me to know what this advocacy thing is about and then like learn how I could actually be a speaker, you know? Um, and so it's wild to me because, you know, I, I thought I had to like have a degree, you know, like a college degree or something like that to be successful in the world. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that I had to, you know, have all of these accolades and stuff to be important, you know, and it was, it's really great to know. Um, and this is why I'm an advocate too, is to show and model to other youth and young people who may not have that access to certain kinds of um, lived experiences, such as like 
you know, having college degrees to know that you're, you're still important and your story is important, you know? Um, and, and from there, I, I wound up doing a lot of different jobs, um, working as a speaker, working with different programs for advocacy in New York, um, when it comes to accessibility, uh, to, to shelter, um, working at the G GMHC, uh, Gay Men's Health Crisis, I was actually a tester, counselor, outreach specialist there. Um, I was able to work on different programs there. Um, and then I wound up working at um, Sheltering Arms as a rapid uh, rehousing specialist. And now today, um, I focused on centering myself in my wellness because I was realizing that the work that I was doing was really tearing me down because sure. my, my lived experience, um, I'm still living it. You know, I'm still a nomadic person. I'm still learning what stability can look like for me, right? As someone who is first generation, um, coming from immigrating uh, families, um, and coming from, uh, you know, a place where uh, generational wealth is not something that I necessarily have access to. I would say I have wealth of like, of strength and resiliency and, and also just like compassion, care and empathy. And so yes. like, now that I've been like building that within myself, I've been recognizing that I'm totally valuable um, and worthy of working. Um, and, and I don't necessarily uh, work for just one organization because I feel like I'm too big for that. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are are so big, you know. Um, and and so like I've been exploring what it looks like to find myself in different spaces and not be afraid to speak, you know, and make mistakes. And really, I'm in this journey of like learning how I can be a better person for myself and for the world around me. I love that. Thank mm -hmm. you. So with your journey, were you able to get connected to services? Was it through building your own network? Like, how did you kind of make those first steps um, to stabilizing during housing? Right. Like, um, multiple things. I attribute it also recognizing and naming first, like, you know, we all have privileges, right? Um, I will say that, like, I, I um, come from a mother who, you know, did work uh, within the government, you know, and, um, and, you know, she's very well spoken coming from people who don't speak, you know, who didn't speak English. So like, mm -hmm. I, she really instilled a lot when it came to language to me. And so using that, um, even though, you know, we, we don't necessarily see eye to eye, I recognize like the strength, right. And the information, the knowledge that was passed up to me. And so, um, with that, I really use my ability to communicate, um, to get what I need, um, and really put myself out there. That's one thing is that I, I really appreciate about myself is that, um, when it comes to getting things done, I don't have a lot of fear. I go for what I, what I need. Um, and also like, it was my ability to identify and discern who was really there to help me. Cause I'll be real, like when I was in the systems, I would say like a lot of conversations are being had now that weren't being had um, back in 2017. And I will say that like, um, I did not gain stability, unfortunately, through these drop-in centers. Um, I They provided me housing for the time being. However, when I aged out, I aged out. Right. You know, um, and they don't have like, you know, wraparound services where they um, come back and see where people are, you know, or if their services helped. I mean, it helped me develop skills. So then I had a job, but I didn't have housing. 
So like, this is like mm-hmm. the, the thing that I realize a lot of us go through is that we find stability one way or another, but then there's another part that's missing. This podcast is sponsored by Bring Freedom. For more information on how to prevent and end human trafficking, please visit bringfreedom.org. Save the date for Bring Freedom's live anti-trafficking training event on November 18th and 19th. To attend for free, please use the code PWLEPOD so they know we sent you. Stay tuned for more information. So what I found was I needed to rethink what what could work for me. Um, And so I wound up just reaching out to people and seeing what the availability was for doing work as far as like speaking or doing workshops and stuff of that nature. Um, And then also it it really was me um, not being afraid of like kind of like having the conversation with people and saying like, hey, this is what I'm going through. um, And I need this kind of help. But it did take a lot of people believing in me you know, um, and it also took perseverance. Um, and I would say that I I would not, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm this strong, you know, however, I don't think that everyone should have to be, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. I, I was literally breaking down, you know what I mean? Um, before people kind of like saw, oh, this kid really needs help. Cause um, though I have my own mental health things that I go through, um, I look like I'm extremely functional. You know what I mean? Sure. Which is great, but it doesn't help like the strong person that's kind of like breaking down on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I had to realize that I had to communicate. I needed to ask for help. However, that could only happen with people that I felt safe with, you know? Right. Um, and so now today, a lot of my work is focused on trying to really um, pave that path, you know, and center the work that we do around worthiness because truthfully, um, I didn't realize I had, you know, so many mental health um, issues or traumas that I went through until I was stably housed for a time. And then mm-hmm. once it's like my body was safe, it was like my mind was like, OK, tag your it. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. It's like, here's the here's the trauma. I'm, you know, like I, you left this with me. So now I'm leaving it at the door, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, it was like all these awakenings and all these things happening. And I'm like, oh, man, like I didn't know that I was hurting this much. You know, I because I was surviving, you know, and and survival. Sometimes you're not you're not aware. And I feel like our our bodies are beautiful in that way. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's beautiful that, you know, we have this ability to push through. Should we have to? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. But I do think that from this journey, I've learned how I can speak up for the for the younger ones and for for our elders, you know what I mean, who think that the system should be, you know, something that's based off of your work work ethic. I feel that everyone should have home, food, you know, security, um, emotional help, psychological help, you know what I mean? To feel worthy um, without what they produce. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so that's really where I am and kind of like what led me to here now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did want to kind of dig into a little bit of your artistic abilities because my understanding is that you do a lot with that. Yeah. Um, 
so so how how is it that you kind of connected to the art world yeah um so like right off the bat like out outside of being an advocate my first way of speaking was through poetry um like whenever like you know how uh in kindergarten or pre-k they have you do like the father's day mother's day cards and stuff yeah. like that like ever since then i've been fascinated with language um and letters and like the energy that language has um and so i started singing painting um and writing at a very young age and um actually my mother is a singer and my dad also paints so i inherited this you know through them. Um, and so what I've done is I've sort of like, I've married like my uh, ability to work through art and with language and my spoken word, and also like uh, utilize that to do my advocacy. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. I love that. Thank you. So with those pieces kind of coming together, can you walk us through kind of what your process has been um, as, as uh, when you aged out of the system, kind of what is an overview a little bit of your story yeah. um, to getting to where you are now? My goodness. I will say like I felt discarded. Um, I, I will say that it was really hard to not be angry and bitter uh, with the system because like my story was used to make thousands of dollars, you know? Right. Um, and, and, you know, and I didn't know then what was happening, you know, and I'm sure with the best of intention, no one was really intending that. And I know a lot of advocates maybe would like, maybe would be upset to hear me say that, but it's important to know that there is this disparity between like the bureaucracy that goes on, um, you know, on the back ends and like being the advocate and the young person on the other side. And I think that what it is, is like honesty, you know, like I feel like honesty is foregoed a lot because of like the, for the sake of time or having deliverables, you know? And so working as a rapid rehousing specialist and being able to be on the other side of that, I learned that there's so much that, you know, you wish you could communicate to a young person that you, it, it's not, it, you, there's no language for it. You know, all you can say is that I can't do this or I can do this because of funding stipulations or whatever the case may be. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so learning, having that experience really allowed me to have empathy for mm -hmm. uh, the people on the other side. And then it made me realize how I can do my work better. And so the strategy that I use as a rapid rehousing specialist is I'm being honest with these young people. I'm saying, I can't do this because of this. And I can do this because of this. You let me know what you can do or what you can't do. And I can work with that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized for myself, if I had someone like me, you know what I mean, helping me, I would have I recognized the limitations of the system and realized where I needed to start being interdependent. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I feel like we kind of like manifest this like uh, codependency with systems Mm -hmm. because we're not empowering people to be successful in more than it more than traditional ways um so mm -hmm. like right now where i'm at like i am nomadic like uh with my partner you know we do house sitting pet sitting um and she's a singer songwriter you know i do spoken word and i do meditations and also spiritual work um so like really like i'm living my dream just i do need more resources <laughs> 
um, you know, and so like I, but no one showed me that this was possible. You know, like they don't talk about, you know, the ability of house sitting or pet sitting or, you know, they don't show these forms of non-traditional, you know, stability for people. And I think that these conversations need to be had because you never know someone in the hood might want to be an equestrian. They might want to ride horses, you know, like you don't know what somebody may have the ability to do. And so we need to kind of like expand that. And that's kind of like where I am now is like recognizing that. You know, I'm not necessarily where I, I I want to be as far as like stability goes. However, I um I'm so much more liberated and free and I see the the I have time to process the pain, you know, that I've mm-hmm. been going through. Um and my and my whole intention is to create my own organization um where I do I do the work that I see needs to be done. Right. I think that's really cool. As somebody who myself am super passionate about like tiny houses. Yes. I can definitely understand. Um, and, and one of the other things too, that I, I think people don't really understand is that before, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, you would get a job with one company and you would stay with that company until you retired. Right. And you were in one location and the millennial and younger generations, their career growth is dependent on them moving, mm-hmm. which makes home ownership mm-hmm. almost inaccessible. Yeah. Yes. And just that level of we almost have been required to be more nomadic than generations prior. Wow. Yeah. Totally. So, there's a place where the resiliency that you've learned in building networks, in being able to be flexible and being well-spoken and building connection and speaking up for yourself, it allows you um, the flexibility to really move and to do the things and find a place that you love to be. Right. And to make that work for you. Right. Where- as before, there was really one path, and that was the only option. And now I feel like because we live in this global economy, <laughs> there are more options than ever before. Um, but as somebody who also has been a housing resource coordinator, I worked with TBRA, I worked with like the EHVs and different things like that. There was so much of a black and white of this is successfully housing somebody and this is not successfully housing somebody. Mm. And I feel like people like you or myself even Mm. didn't fit traditional. Like it is better for me to rent a room with from somebody in their house Mm -hmm. than it is to have an entire place on my own because of the amount of travel Mm-hmm. Right, because of the amount of flexibility that I've needed in my career mm-hmm. and that process, which almost seems unheard of. <laughs> totally. Um, so, so I'm curious, like, what would you say to the institutions that have really thrived on having this one path mm-hmm. to getting to what they quote unquote label as this is success? What would you say to them as somebody who is somewhat similar to myself, who we're a little bit neurodivergent? <laughs> um, 
like what would your advice be oh my goodness don't let anything limit you you know um I would say that whenever you come up against what you perceive to be a limitation, know that that just means that maybe that's not for you, but there's somewhere else, there's another place, another organization that will that will see you and honor you. And the more that we, the more that we facilitate that and nourish our, our needs, because this is my thing, I don't really believe in the term um, disability, because I feel that however you need to access something, it's just how you need to access it. And who is someone to say that that's that you're disabled for that? That's just how you need to access something. You see what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. a, it's an implication that something's wrong and that there needs to be extra done to accommodate you. And the truth is, no, we all have accommodations. No matter if you're neurodivergent or not, we all need certain things or need to be spoken to certain ways or need, you know, different, we all learn differently. You know, and so what I would say, well, to the organizations, I'll say, we need to wake up. You know, we need to grow. We need to think beyond binary thinking. We need to know that there's so many more ways of doing things. Let's look at the pandemic. A lot of things that um, originally a lot of um, advocacy groups um, and, and, and organizations and people who, uh, who are so-called differently able were asking for these accommodations for a long time. You know, a lot of us have been asking for these accommodations for a long time. And now because, you know, we find out, oh, people can actually be productive at home when they feel safe and when they're healing and when they're taking care. Now uh, there's there's all of these corporations modeling, you know, uh, ways of doing work differently. Why Why aren't we doing it in the nonprofit sector? You know, yes. why aren't we seeing that the more free and liberated and, and, and nourished and rejuvenated people are, the better we are at creating solutions, the better we are at creating sustainability, um, and also the better we are at creating opportunities for people to get out of the cyclical nature of some of these systems, you know, um, like, like, housing, like the legal justice system, you know, like me- the mental health institutions, if we have patience and recognize that, okay, we need to be discerning with our funders, you know, um, why certain funders um, get uh, say that they fund certain people or not certain people, we need to have integrity and say that that's not empathy, that's not compassion, and maybe we need to have different people doing the work. And I know that doesn't sound I mean, maybe politically correct. However, I know that for the change that we need to see in this world, we need to have services that are dynamic, you know, and we need to have um, people understanding that if you're looking for people to have one traditional path or route, that, that era is not the same anymore. If people want that, then that's great. And that's what we should be able to facilitate. But just because someone is showing difficulty with trying to, you know, maybe be a dental assistant or pick up a trade doesn't mean I say you're a throwaway or not good enough. Let me take the time to figure out, let's take the time together to see what your path is. What is your element? How do we get you there? How do we amplify you? And if we don't have it, then you know what? We need to level out the resources to connect you to an organization that has it. And we, and, and, and what I find is that a lot of greed move, you know, moves the compass. And so we need to come back to a place of centering what our values are and really moving away from the organizations that refuse to grow so that we can, and so that we can uh, create the resources and get the funding 
to actually support the kind of change that is going to be nourishing for us all. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that, um, that you were, you were mentioning on-ramps. Well, it made me think of on-ramps, but, you know, we're creating opportunities is what you said. And, uh, and that just, to me, it's like on-ramps to success can go to different roads for different people and what we need to keep centered is the value of each individual and everybody has their purpose everybody has their Mm -hmm. their own path and we can't we can't put them in boxes (laughs) totally totally yeah we did want to have you just kind of share um if there is something that you could speak to uh a youth right now that might be listening to this podcast that might be realizing, Hey, maybe there's hope. Um, mm. What would you say to them? Who I know it may be hard, whatever you're going through right now. However, take time to breathe and center in your body and know that you're worthy of your wildest dreams. Know that, whatever you see happening around you or whatever your experience or whatever you're feeling right now is temporary. And so if you can just engage that moment, allow yourself to dream and know that that is always your right. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, go ahead and share where people can find you, how they can support you, um, (laughs) where they can connect with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, well, you can always email me at lex, L-E-X-P-893 at gmail.com. I welcome people reaching out. I always love learning more and connecting with people. Um, and then my Instagram is at Lex Lyrics. Um, it's spelled exactly how you hear it. Um, lex, L-E-X, Lyrics, L-Y-R-I-C-S. Um, and then, you know, I have Instagram people, uh, Instagram and Facebook, people could find me on there, Alexander Ray Perez. Um, and yeah, like, um, I'm looking to branch out and doing, uh, YouTube videos soon and stuff like that. So just connect with me. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear from people, but please keep in contact and, and thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. It was really great to kind of get to know you and to, you know, see a little bit of the behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Because we're working on some good policy change, but you know, yeah. those take time. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on the podcast. Like, yes. Really- Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy hearing stories of persons with lived experience, please rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast.